Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Thanks for joining us here for episode 761 with Erica Caswin. Erica shared a boatload of really great stories about folks in workplaces doing a great job of honoring relationships and having cool rituals that shape connection and culture. A lot of great stuff from Erica. So you'll learn one, the do's and don'ts of honoring relationships. Two, three components of rituals that bring teams together. And three, how you can make connections even when you're working remotely. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to bits that we mentioned here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP761. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some goodies like our Gold Nugget email list, which gives you a quick summary write-up of the actionable wisdom that you can read in about two or three minutes, as well as unlocking the vault of all 761 such Gold Nugget Summaries at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Erica's story. Erica Kesswin is a best-selling author, internationally sought after speaker and workplace strategist. She helps top businesses, organizations, and individuals improve their performance by honoring relationships in every context, always with an eye toward high tech for human touch. She was named one of Marshall Goldsmith's top 100 coaches in 2020, as well as one of Business Insider's most innovative coaches of 2020. She's got great books like Bring Your Human to Work, 10 Surefire Ways to Design a Workplace That's Good for People, Great for Business, and Just Might Change the World, and Rituals Roadmap, The Human Way to Transform Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic. Big thanks to Erica for sharing her wisdom with us. Big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Erica. Erica, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thanks so much. Great to see you. Oh, you too. Well, I'm excited to hear about Bring Your Human to Work. But first, I got to hear the story behind the Spaghetti Project. Can you tell us the tale? I can. So when I was doing research for Bring Your Human to Work and my second book, which is about, which is about rituals, I came across a study out of Cornell University that was done by a guy named Kevin Niffen. And Kevin was looking at and studying team performance, what makes one team higher performing than another. And his dad was a firefighter. And so he decided, I'm going to study the firefighters and the firehouses. Long story short, what he found was that the firefighters who are the most dedicated to the ritual of the firehouse meal and sitting around the table connecting as humans, it actually correlated with higher levels of performance and those firefighters save more lives. So sort of a goosebump moment for me and my work. 
to your question about the spaghetti project, when you think about firefighters, and I visited many firehouses and interviewed a lot of firefighters, their stereotypical go-to meal is spaghetti. With meat sauce, I'm guessing? You know, spaghetti meat sauce, spaghetti and plain tomato sauce. It's just pretty much what's easy to cook in that firehouse. So that therein came the name, the Spaghetti Project, which is a platform that shares the science and stories of connection at work. That's cool. That's cool. And so now I'm intrigued. The firefighters who were most dedicated to the firehouse meal had the highest performance at, wow, performance is saving lives. That's yeah, that's huge. We're not talking about selling stuff. Yep. So part of me wonders, I don't, you know, it's all, you know, causation mm-hmm. correlation. It's always tricky to disentangle. Do we think that's because they are the ones who are more committed in general to like what we're all about and each other and then thusly those who choose to have that meal and make that a priority also care more in the line of duty? Or, or do you think there's another chain of connection here? Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. So when people are sitting around the table you know, and bringing their whole selves, shooting the breeze, more times than not, you start connecting with people on a personal level. So let me give an example. I interviewed a firefighter that shared that he was at one of the meals with, with a colleague and the guy shared that he was actually, when he grew up, afraid of heights. Now you wouldn't really think that for a firefighter, right? That, that here's this guy, Dominic, who's afraid of heights. So they're just like shooting the breeze, like two people, no judgment, having their spaghetti And four hours later, the fire alarm goes off and they go out to fight a fire. And the person overseeing the group and figuring out who goes where now has this information in the back of his head thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe I won't put Dominic on the highest ladder as we go to fight this fire. So the more that you know about people that you're working with, the better that that you can give them a sense of empathy around what it, what's going on with them. I mean, take it to a present day example. You may be really frustrated with a colleague who's not returning your calls or not doing the level of work you think he or she should be doing. You then come to find out that a parent was dying. It's somebody's sick. Someone has COVID mm-hmm. and you just have a different level of understanding and a way to, and a way to work with them. And so the idea is it's around bringing your human to work and that meal and th- you can even think about meals in terms of the role in our culture in bringing people together. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's excellent. Thank you. And so then we talk about bringing your human to work. Can you share with us? That's, I think we've already got a taste, but sort of what, what would you say is the core thesis statement here of the work? So people ask me what it means to bring their human to work. And I would say boil it down to one line, which is honoring relationships. How do you honor relationships with your colleagues? with your boss, with your direct reports, with your clients, your customers, and even honoring that relationship with yourself. And the premise of the book, you know, I've been in the human capital space for 25 years. And so I'm used to people either saying directly to me or maybe behind my back, Mm -hmm. but some of this stuff is the soft stuff. And so I would venture to say it's actually the hard stuff and some of the really important stuff. And so the premise of the book, is why bringing your human to work and creating a more human workplace is not only good for people, but it's great for business and really does impact the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems 
sensible and like, yeah, that sounds true to me in, in, in my gut, although I, I am a feeler on the Myers-Briggs. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I like that kind of thing. For the skeptic, could you share some of the most hard-hitting bits of research or evidence that says, no, no, this is for real and not just stuff that uh, Pete and Erica like because they're feelers? Yeah. Well, first, I'd send them back to think about the firefighters, right? I mean, you can't get any more hard data than that than actually saving lives. Mm -hmm. There are many studies in the book, a couple that jump out, you know, one that found that when you have that high level of trust with your boss, that you can be who you are at work, collaboration goes up by as much as 47%, productivity goes up by 50%. So the numbers are real. Yeah, but productivity going up 50%, again, I'm curious about the mechanisms underlying that. Uh, part of me thinks it's just like you're not sort of worrying and, you know, CYA, watching your back, like really politically massaging <laughs> like every sentence to make sure you're not like offending people because you just sort of have have a good sort of trust and, and caring connection going. But what are some of the other ways that that 50% productivity bump get realized? Right. Well, either, I mean, look, that's a piece of it. I mean, I remember when I started my career in management consulting. And those were the days, you know, very junior sitting in the conference room, having late night pizza and just really, really getting to know people to the point where you can finish their sentences and you just work better together because you know how, how people work. And so it's, it's sometimes as basic as that setting aside the whole trust thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So in terms of knowing like, oh boy, you really hate that stuff. So I'm <laughs> not going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask somebody else. Uh, and in so doing, we've got more energy and strength focus and, and all that kind of goodness. Okay. I think when it comes to dishonoring relationships, I mean, relatively few of your colleagues are sociopaths, like in terms of like actively wanting to, to harm others. Uh, I guess there's some, but I think <laughs> at the same time, it's quite possible that uh, we we dishonor relationships maybe without even being aware of it, just by uh, not having as much attention brought to it. What are some key don'ts, I guess, when it comes to honoring relationships? Look, nine out of 10 people leave their boss, not the company per se. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship really does make a difference. It is that direct manager that's going to impact your day to day, should I stay or should I go? When we talk about bottom line implications, and I'll, I'll get to the do's and don'ts in a second, but again, we think about the data, turnover is expensive. And we're sitting here doing this interview today in the midst of this great resignation that if you do lose people that you don't want to lose, it is really hard right now to replace them. So that those are some pretty strong numbers in and of itself. Mm -hmm. In terms of do's and don'ts, I think a lot of it, when I think of honoring relationships, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, you are, you don't want to be the kind of manager where it's my way or the highway. And what I tell leaders, is, if you're not sure, and it's different, the behaviors that you want to see other than the ones that we quote unquote learned in kindergarten, kind of like the, the basics that we, you know, probably don't need to go into on a podcast like this, but in terms of specifics of what to do. I often turn to the values of, of a company and I have a litmus test called the fork in the road. Should I take a left? Should I take a right? Should I hire this person? Should I fire this person? Because he or she is a sociopath to your point. Should I launch a new product? Should I do this deal? Should I fire this client? I look at that through the lens of a company's values. And quite frankly, if the values aren't helping to drive those decisions, Either there's way too many values, 10, 12, 14 values, a great example of 
of a company that had too many values back in the day was Uber in the beginning when Travis was the CEO. They had 14 values and the values motivated the wrong behaviors. Like I can't like crush people like bugs, that kind of thing. (laughs) And so you might have too many or they might be the wrong ones. And it's the the strategy and the mission and and the vision highlight what you need to do. And the values are really the behaviors and get to the how. And aligning that gets back to this idea of what it means to honor relationships in a specific organization, because it's going to be different everywhere. Mm-hmm. And could we zoom into some particular applications of this? So in, in the firehouse, spaghetti meals, that's awesome. Inside other workplaces where, where folks are, are often home before dinner time, what are some excellent, cool examples of, of places you found where there's some, some great relationship honoring and connection that's going a long way? So the way that I mapped out my book about rituals, I mean, rituals are an amazing tool, amazing way to bring people together to have that connection. And some of the best examples that I've seen cut across all different aspects of the employee life cycle. So there's examples in onboarding. I mean, what better, you only get one chance to make a first impression. So what better way to start that connection early and often than literally the first day, or even when you get your offer letter, professional development, celebrating milestones in meetings is a great way. So I look at and have examples that I'll share with you in all of, all of these different ways. One really fun one that I write about is from the company Allbirds, the, the cool felt sneaker company. And they have a ritual in their organization called 40 at 4. And it came about very organically, where there was a very early on employee who's probably working too much at, at, you know, Allbirds was a startup at the time and decided to go to the doctor and said, you know what, I'm really not feeling great from a health perspective. I'm going to set some goals for myself and do X amount of push-ups between now and the end of the year. He took that number and he divided it by how many days were left in the year. And he came up with the number 40. And so he said, all right, if I do 40 push-ups a day for the rest of the year, I'll meet my goal. So what does he do? He starts doing them in the office. Guy next to him joins. The woman across the hall joins. The next thing they know, everybody and their brother is either doing push-ups at four o'clock, watching the push-ups, talking about the push-ups. And Mm -hmm. I see it as like the healthy version of a smoke break. And (laughs) even during the pandemic, I was able to reach back out with them because many people were really missing those company rituals. The way that they came together to connect with each other and, and honor relationships was gone. And they said, yeah, I mean, how do you know it's a ritual? It really is sticky and, and people missed it. And so during the pandemic, they would rotate and somebody would volunteer to lead the pushups. Again, yes, feel soft, sound soft, touchy feely, but it's these things that people come together and remind them, A, why they like the people they work with, B, why they do what they do every day. At least in 2022, we're still human and not a bunch of robots running around. So (laughs) these things do impact people. For now, Erica. For now, you never know. (laughs) Well, that is beautiful, that that ritual. And that does, as I'm thinking about to, uh, back to some of my workplaces and rituals, they just feel so good (laughs) in terms of Boy, it's almost like there's a primal human tribe thing going on. Like this is us and who we are and what we belong to and and what we do. And and it could be doing 40 push-ups at 4 p.m. It could be changing the lyrics to songs and singing dorky versions about your workplace at the annual meeting. Right. It could be anything. Oh, and, and let me share this. 
so I would talk to companies about what a ritual is and the ROI of rituals and give, and, and some people still wouldn't necessarily be able to articulate what the ritual is. So I came up with this, I call it somewhat magic question now that every time I asked it, the person was like, I got it. That's my ritual. So the question is, and I asked this at Chipotle, LinkedIn, Microsoft, all these different companies. When, and I said it to, for example, Marisa Andrada, who's the head of HR at Chipotle. Okay, Marisa, when do you think employees at Chipotle feel most Chipotle-ish? Very mm-hmm. high tech, very high tech, right? But <laughs> framing it that way, Marisa said, I got it. Every day at Chipotle at 1015, by the way, I don't know if you're a Chipotle fan, but my kids eat it all the time. I like it too, actually. I hate it today. And oh, there you go. And my... It's the napkins to prove it. Oh my God, you're right. You did eat it today. So they open it. Maybe you know this. I didn't know this. Chipotle opens at 10.30 a.m. So I guess there are many people eating burritos at 10.30 in the morning. I've done it before. Okay. So you're perfect for this example. So every day at 10.15, before those doors answer and before Pete comes through through the door... They all sit down, all the people that have been working there since 6.30 in the morning, chopping up the lettuce, making the guacamole, they all sit down and have a meal together. And that is when they feel most Chipotle-ish. Other people said to me, you know, at the company Kind Bar, Daniel Lubetsky, founder, former CEO, and now executive chairman, he said people feel most kind-ish or kindly (laughs) when during their orientation their onboarding process, every new hire once a quarter meets with, with meets with Daniel, even now that he's not even with the company, he still meets with them and talks about the history of the company and, and the genesis and why it's called kind and how his father was in the Holocaust and was saved by someone and, and how that person showed kindness to his dad that drove the mission of the company. And so, you know, rituals I mean, you kind of said it yourself. It gives this feeling of this sort of primal, this is us coming together. And that's when you know it's a ritual is that it sticks and you don't force people to do it. Like it just organically happens and make, makes people feel part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah, that's, that's intriguing because I could see how you could try to force that and it would just be weird. Like, yeah, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, if you have to force it, you need to move on. Yeah. I mean, I tell people not to get their ego wrapped up in some of these rituals. Like like somebody might be listening to this and say, okay, we're going to start doing push-ups, just like all birds at four o'clock. And people might think, are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. And it might stick, but rituals can come from the top down, the bottom up, inside out, really from anywhere. So if something doesn't stick, I just urge people to to think about feel like changing it, get feedback, ask your team for ideas. And oftentimes the rituals are, that are the most sticky are the ones that are connected, again, to values or even things that you've done before. And that's why like, many times it's an individual contributor, just like the example in All Birds that came up with the ritual to begin with. When it comes to not forcing, it seems like sometimes just the invitation will do. Like, hey, I'm going to start doing these push-ups, and you're welcome to join me if you like. <laughs> and, and so, and then some will, some won't. I think what's also interesting about the push-ups is that it's just a little bit, I don't know, weird, or I guess countercultural, or like, 
you don't tend to go into workplaces and see people doing pushups. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> that's that's yeah. a little different. And in so doing, I think that might give you a little more juice. I'm thinking about my work with with Hobie, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership uh, mm-hmm. uh, Seminar for high school folks doing leadership development stuff. And so, so there's a bunch of like cheering going on, which is a little bit like camp. And so yeah. it's not that unique because camps have been doing it forever. But in so doing, there are the Hobie cheers and Hobie people know the Hobie cheers and then Hobie people will can just vibe in that way. And then doing them together, you really do get this crazy bond, you know, formed in like three days amongst you. And I think that if, if we were doing something very ordinary, like, oh, we're brushing our teeth, like, okay, well, that's that's what everybody does every day, generally speaking. So it doesn't have as much oomph. Are, are there some maybe ingredients or components or principles that make a ritual a ritual? So, yeah. So first let me share my, well, and it's interesting. I'll talk about how look, brushing your teeth could be a ritual, may not be a ritual, but could be a ritual. So a ritual has three component parts. Mm-hmm. The first is a ritual is something to which we assign a certain amount of meaning and intention, sort of number one. Number two, a ritual typically has a regular cadence. So for example, 40 at four, right? 40 pushups every day. It could be once a week. It could be once a month. It could be once a year. The third part though is really interesting. A ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. And so, you know, what do I mean by that? I'm, I'm sitting here in my home office and let's say the lights go out. And if I decide to light a candle so I can see what on earth I'm doing, that's not a ritual. But if I light a candle every day or every Friday, let's say at six o'clock to signify the end of the work day and the work week and the beginning of the weekend, I'm lighting that candle because it means something to me. And there's a regular cadence, but I'm not doing it for any real practical purpose. And so that's the definition. So when you think about having a cup of coffee in the morning, maybe your purpose is the caffeine, Mm. but it's Mm. almost something, I I also think of it as sort of back of brain to front of brain. Like you might have a habit, you just might have a cup of coffee every day, but if you make something like that a ritual where you sit down, take a few deep breaths, connect with yourself there's nothing practical about it, but the, but it's something that's meaningful to you. And so in the example of the push-ups, you know, yeah, the one guy was trying to make his goal of, of doing those push-ups, but half the time at Allbirds, people were kind of joking around, sitting there watching. And so there wasn't this practical purpose, but it felt good and, and something drew them into doing it. So that's sort of my, my working definition. Mm-hmm. Well, these examples are so fun, Erica. Just yeah. you know, keep them coming. What else have we got? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, there's a whole book on them. Let's see. One of my other favorite rituals in the book is a company called Udemy, the online learning company. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot, both from the standpoint of a manager, but also as an individual contributor, that professional development, you know, people want to learn on the job up, down, and sideways. And I've been in the human capital space for 25 years. And gone are the days of, you know, all the rungs in the ladder of used to be able to get promoted every year. And now we need to get creative about how people grow on the job. So, you know, there are actually, I just wrote an article, which I'll send you if you send out show notes for your podcast, but Jeannie Weaver at AT AT&T has a book club 
And that has become a ritual for her and her team. And also something that is easy to do when some people are in the office and some people are remote. Mm -hmm. The company Udemy has a ritual around professional development called DEAL, D-E-A-L, drop everything and learn. So once a month on a Wednesday at three o'clock, everybody kind of drops what they're doing and takes a class in something. And again, what I love about it is it may have nothing to do with your day job. So in that definition of no practical purpose, it's not that I'm sitting there, how to improve a podcast, how to do an Excel spreadsheet. There are people that shared with me that in November, during the the Wednesday in November, they took a class on how to make a turkey. And so Mm -hmm. it's, and what they do is the team manager will bring everybody together and they can take anything they want. The only thing you have to do is share what you learned that month. So again, it's another way to connect, another way to bring people together in a way that might seem touchy-feely for the for the uh, Myers-Briggs feelers in the audience. However, you're learning more about each other. And when mm-hmm. from a leadership perspective, you have some great employee who's on the subway and run, meet somebody and they're like, hey, why don't you come work at my company? You might think twice because you actually have friends at work and people that you know at work who kind of know you and know that you know how to make a turkey. Right. Yeah, that is fun in that not only are you learning, but then you're learning what other people learned. <laughs> right. And which is connecting like, oh, you're interested in cooking turkeys. Now I know that about you. And I guess with Udemy, it's also a bonus in that if they're learning via Udemy courses, then. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they're getting some exposure to the platform and the product and yeah, exactly. maybe getting some insights like, oh, this course isn't that good. <laughs> maybe we need to update it or whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I love it. Let's have another one. I think there are, again, when you think about that employee life cycle, like let's talk about meetings because a lot of meetings suck, right? Yeah. So you can think about rituals as a way to, to connect people. Now, here's something. Beginnings and endings are what I call prime rituals real estate. So beginnings and ending of a meeting, the beginning and ending of a project, pretty much the beginning and ending of anything. So Eileen Fisher, for example, the clothing company, they ring a ring a chime before every meeting. And so what that does is it just settles people. It gives them this feeling of, you know what, we're going to be this meeting. I'm going to take everything that had been going on, all the chaos in the outside world, try to get rid of it and come in and focus on what I need to focus on. During the pandemic, and even now, we're still in the pandemic, really, there's the importance of checking in. Like that became a ritual. And what was interesting was in 2020, probably for a whole year, sometimes there were meetings where 60 minutes of a 60-minute meeting were spent checking in. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, maybe 30 minutes of a 30 minute. And at some point, like we needed to also do work in these meetings. So people will say to me, so what's a way to have a ritual in a, in a meeting that helps you connect, but we can't do this all day. So a couple of examples there, one CEO shared, they have something, they have like red, people say either red light, green light, yellow light, and they just kind of share how they are feeling that day. And what that does, the goal is not to solve it in that moment, but if you're the team leader and Pete says red light later that day, you know, you can call him up and say, all right, what's going on? How can we support you as a company, as a leader? So, you know, just it's again, sometimes very little things, 
But, uh, and one last one that I'll share, a colleague from Microsoft has a cool ritual. She changed jobs in the, in the pandemic and really didn't know her team that well. So every week at her team meeting, a different person shares their origin story, which I sort of love the way that's phrased. I mean, you can go in any direction with that, but learning somebody's origin story, like stuff that you would never know about them. Again, it t- kind of takes you back to where our conversation started with the with the firefighters and helps you really get to know people in a human way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I like that. I was going to ask about the remote work piece there. Any pro tips, do's and don'ts when it comes to thinking about things remotely? I don't know if there's any tricks or software tools that you really think are nifty when it comes to some of this connection remotely. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be even more intentional. I mean, it's hard and you need to have protocols on how this should work. So it could be something as, I mean, none of it's easy, but something like, for example, every time somebody, let's say you're going to go around and people are going to share, you know, whether they're green, red, or yellow, or one leader shared that everybody goes around and shares a one word adjective that describes how they're showing up that day, rotate. So Pete's in the office, you go. Erica, she's remote. Let's switch off every person so that we're all engaging in the same way. Some people will say, you know what, for all the remote people, we're going to have one person that's in the room be the point of contact that if there's any issues with the technology or anything going on, that there is one person that kind of has their phone out and knows that they're going to be contacted if there are any issues and building in time for people just to chit chat a little bit over the proverbial water cooler, having protocols around technology and really reminding people, you know what, this meeting, we expect our cameras to be on, which by the way, I think that's important, but I don't think they need to be or should be on in every meeting because Zoom fatigue is real. And so it's Mm -hmm. just being as explicit as you can to manage expectations and to create an environment that's as welcoming and as inclusive as you can. Mm -hmm. That's good. And I guess I'm also thinking about how not to do this in terms of, because I think sometimes if folks think connection, they think, okay, we've have, we've got team building retreat, we've got trust falls, we've got ropes courses, and I've had some good experiences with rope courses myself, <laughs> but some people, they're not a fan. Yes. So how would you think about, if you say, okay, hey, connection is cool, rituals are cool, we want to do more of that, we're excited, what should we avoid doing as we're getting some of this flowing? So I love that question because when I was writing the book and I asked people, so when do you feel most Chipotle-ish or, you know, fill in the blank-ish. This, you know, what I'm going to say next did not happen at Chipotle for the record, but but did happen in some other places. And the person I was talking to all of a sudden would get a little pale and be like, oof, God, I don't know if I want to answer that question. I would say, well, wh- why? What's, what's going on? And they would say, well, now that you asked it that way, I feel like every time we come together and bond or do our ropes courses or whatever it is we do, we always do it over happy hour. We always do it when people are drinking Mm -hmm. and that's not going to work for everybody. I mean, I had somebody come up to me afterwards at a talk one time and say, you know, I just got out of rehab and this makes me feel really uncomfortable. I had another company when I asked them that question, when do people feel most connected? They realized that everything they do is either at night or maybe on a weekend when they were doing this bonding. And what about people that 
are taking care of elderly parents or need to pick up a kid from daycare. So I do urge people to think about all the different ways that you connect through the lens of, of inclusivity. And again, it goes back to getting feedback from people around what's working and not working. I am not anti-happy hour, but it shouldn't be the only way you come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And likewise, just in terms of including folks, it could be a number of things like, hey, ropes course don't work for this person because they, they have a, an injury of sorts or disability of sorts. And so that won't work or they got the rehab with the alcohol or, or just sort of the timing schedule. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that something's not going to be inclusive. I mean, I like it when companies will also think about creating like a culture committee and get people to LinkedIn does a great job of this. I mean, it's a real honor and professional development opportunity to even be in the room to think about all of these different ways for people to connect and they rotate it. And so you do, you want to get different people weighing in on these issues. Beautiful. Well, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. No, I think we got a lot of rituals in there. So it was great. Okay, cool. Well, now could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? One of my favorite quotes is a Louis Pasteur quote, which is chance favors the prepared mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's, I don't like to leave things for chance. I'm a, I'm a planner and I feel like, you know, I, I just like to live, live that quote that chance favors the, the prepared mind. Mm-hmm. And could you give us a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Well, since we've been talking about rituals for most of this, I'll share one of those. So there was a study done. I call it the don't stop believing study, just my own name. I made it up. Mm-hmm. A study out of Harvard was looking at two groups of people. They both went into a room. The first group went into the room and was told that they were going to have to sing karaoke into to a bunch of strangers and were told to go sit down and wait. The second group was told that they were going to have to sing karaoke to a group of strangers. But while they were waiting, they were told to, they were given a piece of paper and they were told to write down how they were feeling about what they were going to have to do. They were told to crumple up the piece of paper, sprinkle some salt on it and throw the paper, you know, over their shoulder. And again, the other group is just sitting in the room waiting. And what the study looked at is both groups got up and sang their karaoke. And the study was looking at which one had higher performance. And that was measured by you know, people able being able to read the words on the screen for karaoke, number one. And number two, when you are told out of the blue that you're going to have to do something like that, sing karaoke, everybody's heart rate spiked, went through the roof, mm. which mine would for sure. <laughs> but there was one group that was able to bring their heart rates down much more quickly. And that correlated with who was better to actually sing more accurately. And out of the two groups, I'll ask you, which group do you think was able to bring their heart rate down more quickly? The ones who were good at singing already? No, the group that was given the ritual, the group that was asked not just to sit there, the group that was asked to actually write down how they were feeling, crumple up the paper, putting the salt on it, Mm -hmm. throwing the paper over, over their shoulder. And so being connected, again, there's no practical purpose for any of that. But being connected to something outside of themselves, it actually lowered their heart rates and they mm-hmm. were a- able to perform better. So, you, you and the reason <laughs> why I call it the Don't Stop Believing study is that the song that they had to sing to the audience 
was the most downloaded song in iTunes history, which is Don't Stop Believing." Okay. And a favorite book? Let's see. Lately, I've been trying to read more fiction because I feel like I never have time to read fiction. I just read a great book called American Dirt, which I'd highly recommend. Mm -hmm. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job. I use, oh, I don't know. Is it is an aura ring a tool where oh, I track where I track is. where I track my sleep? Uh -huh. And you would be very <laughs> jealous to know that I get a lot of ninety fours, ninety sixes. Oh, there you go. I'm a pretty good. I'm like people are very jealous. It's funny. I'm such a nut. I've got the Fitbit and the aura ring at the same time. I'm excited that the aura ring is going to be updating their sleep algorithm shortly to have even superior accuracy. And I've, I will admit to refreshing their webpage more than once to see if it's out yet. <laughs> it's not yeah. yet as of April 5th, 2022. Okay. But uh, anyway, and a favorite habit, something you do that helps you be more awesome at your job. It's my coffee ritual where I get a cup of coffee in the morning. And back in the day, I would sit there and have my coffee and do my to-do list and crank through my work until one day I realized that the coffee was gone and I hadn't even tasted it, which kind of bummed me out because I'm really a one cup a day kind of girl. And at Starbucks, it's not cheap. And that then went from becoming a habit to what is now my morning ritual where I sit and instead of just working away through my morning coffee, I sit there and put the coffee and feel the heat from the mug in my hands, take a few deep breaths. Rituals are very associated with our senses. And so that is what I do. And it, and it helps me start the day. All right. Is there a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate? You hear folks quoting it back to you. Yes, I would say the soft stuff is really the hard stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the most important stuff. Okay. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? To my website, ericakeswin.com. It has my books and a lot of articles I've written, podcasts that I've been on, and you could check out my Instagram, which is just my name. LinkedIn is always a great spot as well. Mm -hmm. All right. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? I would say everything that we've spoken today about rituals at work ring true for rituals in your personal lives. And these days to be awesome at your job, you also need to take care of yourself and put the proverbial oxygen mask on yourself and, and really focus on, on wellness because there's a tremendous amount of burnout right now. And so I guess I would challenge you and a great place to start is to ask yourself, you know, what do you do in your life that makes you feel most like you? And that's a great place to start to incorporate some of your own rituals into your life. All right, Erica, thank you. This has been a treat. I, I wish you much luck with your connection and rituals and fun. Thank you so much. Great to meet you. Oh, you too. I really love Erica's examples of rituals. And if you reflect to organizations, teams, whether it's volunteering or in school or, or whenever, that where you've had a real good vibe with your colleagues, your collaborators, you might be able to recall a few rituals yourself and draw from them a bit of inspiration and lessons in terms of how you can integrate a little something, something to boost the connectivity and the honoring of relationships in your current world. So again, the show notes, the transcripts, the links, as we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP761. Hope to catch you next time and peace. 
Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.